0: Welcome to the Empowered 21 Leadership Podcast. I'm Ashley Wilson, Assistant Director for Empowered 21, and I'm joined here today by Evangelist Nathan Morris from Shake the Nation's Ministries. Nathan, we're really glad to have you uh, today it's on this podcast. such a
1: privilege to be here. What an honor it is to be with leaders from around the world, just yeah. you know, celebrating what the Lord is doing across the nations of the world.
0: Yeah, well, we're excited you're here. Uh, we're in Bogota, Colombia today yeah. and getting ready for uh, an incredible conference. Nathan's going to be speaking at that. We believe God's going to do some really incredible things miraculous things the Holy Spirit's going to be uh, poured out in an incredible way Amen. so it's going to be a great great couple days here yeah, together looking forward to it. so we want to take this time to kind of sit down with you Nathan and uh, hear a little bit about your ministry uh, I'm familiar with what God's done in your ministry over the last few years and, and your story but a lot of our listeners around the world probably are not so first question today is you know who is Nathan Morris you know how did how did you get to be in the place you're at today what's God done in your life and Uh, Tell us your testimony just a few minutes.
1: Yeah, I was born in the United Kingdom, uh, in a place called Sheffield, which is sort of the northern part of England. I'm the son of a pastor, grew up in church, used to sit on the back rows of church listening to my father preach the gospel. One of the most praying men that I've ever met. Just an incredible, I had such an upbringing in, in the things of God. Yet as a teenager, kind of began to drift away. You know, my father always said to me, son, while you live in this home, you go to church. That's how I grew up. But I came of age 17, 18, left the home, went to study in the south of England, in the city of Cambridge. I was into graphic design, and yet, at the same time, this kind of searching for life, you know, searching in the wrong places, and this rebellion in my heart against the things of God. And I'm honest about it because, you know, sometimes we preach about where we're at, but we never preach about where God brought us from. And that's the power because we never forget where we come from. You know, drugs, alcohol, nightclubs, bars, just living as far away as from what my parents would have ever wanted for my life. And yet my mom and dad would pace the church on those prayer meetings and they cry out to God for my salvation. What they didn't know is that I'd be in those clubs and those bars and at some time I may be, you know, even drugs in my system. And yet suddenly I'd feel the pull of the Holy Spirit. Wow. I'd feel just that conviction in my heart. I would hear the whisper of the Lord say, you don't belong here. And yet I would harden my heart. You know, I could go on, there were nights that I would be walking the streets in the early hours of the morning, I had an allergic reaction to some of the drugs in my system, fell into the floor, my throat was closing. And in those moments, what, what is put in you as a child, you, you know is the truth. Yeah. And in those moments I cried out to God and the Lord spared my life and yet I still didn't turn toward him. Wow. When I was 22 years old, I was in the house by myself. I was actually celebrating my birthday. I came back up from the south to the north of England to my mm-hmm. home. And you know, my father would, He would make these audio CDs. Now, in this day and age, that's not a big thing. But to my father, he couldn't even turn a computer on. I mean, it was a major breakthrough for him. So
0: what year would that have been? Late 90s? No, this was
1: 2001 2001. coming into 2002. And I came home, and he told me about this audio CD. And just curiosity, my father was ministering in the prisons also. He was a pastor, but also ministering in the prisons. So no one was in the home. So I went to put this audio CD on. And you know, God can take some of the most insignificant things. The very things that we think God could never use. And he uses that very thing to bring the greatest miracle in our lives. My father never realized all the tears, all the prayers. God was going to use that little audio CD. I'll never forget the song came on, Above all powers, above all kings, Above all nature and all created things, Like a rose trampled on the ground. When that began to play, I can only describe it as if God plugged me into an electric socket i know that sounds very raw but it's the really the most real thing i can tell you the power of god began to surge through my body
0: so you're alone in the house you put a cd in that your father said hey listen to this yes and god showed up
1: big time i mean i was on the floor it felt like this very table that was sat up it felt like something heavy was on my chest i know now it was the glory of god i laid there trembling under the power of god literally i could feel the power of god coursing through me and it was in that moment i was there for over three hours and during that encounter the lord said to me i have a work for you to do but if you turn from me today i will not call you again
0: so it was your last chance
1: this was it it was my decision day choose this day whom you will serve and i felt like in my heart that the covering of my father and my mother and their prayers, it was like God was saying, now you must stand and answer. You stand alone before me. Yeah. Answer. That's a scary thing. Very. And you know, sometimes we preach a gospel that we get to choose where and when we give our all to God. But I believe that is a lie of the devil. It's a lie because we don't choose God. He chose us. Yeah. The call is now. Choose today. Right there and then I said, Lord, with all my addiction, with all the, complications of the sin in my life, relationships, everything. I just said, Lord, I'm not running anymore. You can have it all. And that began the journey. For the next 12 months, I was like, you talk about hunger for God. It was overwhelming. From the moment I woke up to the second I went to bed, there was a cry inside of me. I didn't even know what I was crying for. But I was crying for the fire of the Holy Spirit. I was crying for these encounters with God. And sometimes I didn't have the words to express. I understand today that that was the Holy Spirit. He was actually praying through me. He knew what was about to happen. He knew that God was about to call me. Trying to prep you for
0: something that you were not ready for.
1: And after 12 months, I began to have more encounters with the Lord where that same power that I encountered in that moment where I surrendered that power would come to back to me, but this time it would last for a day, two days, three days. I can only describe it that I was beside myself. Mm-hmm. I I would tremble, I, I would feel, I'm gonna say it the way it is, because this is my testimony, but I would feel literal heat, like mm-hmm. fire come upon me. I would pour with sweat. Now, some people would say, what? But the fire of God was so real to me, it was more real than the, the air I was breathing. You know, when we talk about the fires of Pentecost, and mm-hmm. I know many, many in the charismatic world, we use that word, but it was real to me. Yeah. I could, I, during that time, I would have visions of seeing oceans of humanity. I saw myself preaching to multitudes. And in those arenas, I saw crutches and wheelchairs being lifted. And sometimes the enemy would say to me, you know, this is all in your mind. Who do you think you are? Yeah. But I stand today, seeing the fulfillment, the fulfillment of it of those visions of what God was doing in that season of my life.
0: Wow, that's powerful. So young man, rebellious, far from the Lord, you have yeah. a radical encounter with the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And then you begin to preach. Yes. And God begins to use you and show up. Yeah. And that's what you were experiencing in your private bedroom. God begins to show up in public, is that
1: right? You know, I I, I really want to take a moment to really express what I mean by that. Because I I see today so many people, they see preachers maybe preaching to thousands of people and think, how how does that happen? How does that transition take place? But you see, I wasn't waiting for a pulpit. I wasn't waiting for a stadium. I started where I was at. I would go out with my Sri Lankan friend who I met at the church that I began to attend. He was a six-foot something, you know, Sri Lankan, quiet but loved the Lord with all his heart. Yeah. I was the mouth; he was the prayer. Okay. And we would go out on the streets, and we would literally outside the clubs and the bars that I used to attend. Mm-hmm. I was now preaching to them. Wow. If I didn't know what to preach, we would do dramas. I mean, I'd make a drama up on the spot. You remember Carmen, the blue Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, we would play that. <laughs> I mean, we were just raw. Anything to anything. preach the gospel. Yeah. Anything. He would pray, I would preach. And that's where it began. Suddenly we began to, you know, see the drug addicts in the streets. And uh, I could... Uh, <clears throat> Go ahead. That's where I felt the power of the Holy Spirit to preach the gospel the most. I, was, I remember kneeling down and there was a heroin addict and I was telling him Jesus loves him. And... Uh, that's why I break down because it was at that moment I felt not only the anointing but the power of God's love we started taking drug addicts every single Sunday I'd go and get them and I'd literally drag them to church and you know I'd see them injecting themselves they shouldn't be withdrawing but the closer they got to church they would feel withdrawals of the heroin and my pastor he would just stand at the front of the church thinking. <laughs> What is he doing now? Yeah. But we would bring those heroin addicts in. And I promise you, it started a revival in that church. Drug addicts laid out under the power of God. Mm. Meetings went from two hours to four hours. It was as if we'd found the secret yeah. to the kingdom. That when, when we bring the lost face to face with Jesus, the power of the Holy Spirit is released. And it was there that it literally birthed the ministry. I mean, um, that's when in 06, God gave him the scripture in Haggai 2.7 where he says, I, I will shake all nations and they will come to the desire of all nations. And I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord of hosts. Within the first year of the ministry, we'd already witnessed 30,000 Muslims come to Christ. Oh, wow. Second year, that had multiplied to over 100,000 Muslim and Hindus in what became, you know, the gospel campaigns, yeah. preaching and, I've got to be honest, you know, in the beginning I was so overwhelmed. I, I would say, Lord, when did I think this was a good idea? <laughs> I saw people brought on, in chains, mm-hmm. on, on beds, dying of HIV, just, and to see what God would do in those fields. I would look to the heavens and I would just say, Lord, is this really happening? Mm-hmm. I would pinch myself because I didn't have certificates. Mm -hmm. You know, if I could have graduated from Oral Oral Roberts University, I would, but I didn't have that opportunity. I was just a young man that had encountered the Lord, Mm -hmm. that now I was simply preaching the message. And that's where I discovered it. The power is in the message.
0: The message of the gospel.
1: When you preach the gospel under the power of the Holy Spirit, the signs accompany the message. And you know, the Lord said to me, he said, if you preach the blood, Mm-hmm. If you preach to them the power of the blood, the kingdom of heaven will back you up. And that changed the way I preach the gospel forever.
0: Oh, wow. Wow. So you started out internationally. You're in India, Pakistan. God's using you uh, to do incredible things. And then I know you ended up in America. yes. Uh, ended up in Mobile, Alabama, <laughs> yeah. which is a long way from Sheffield, it England, and is. also a long way from India. It certainly is. Uh, tell us about what happened, what God did at the Bay of Well, originally,
1: you know, our gospel campaigns across Africa, India, and then a dear man of God who many will know his name, Pastor John Kilpatrick, he saw some clips from some of our gospel campaigns. He was hold, holding a conference in 2010 called Open the Heavens. Be careful what you call your conferences by the way, (laughs) be careful because God might just do it one time. That's awesome. And uh, he invited just a young preacher who, you know, back back then I started the ministry in 06, I was Mm -hmm. saved in 02, it's now 2010, so we'd been holding gospel campaigns for four years. And he invited me to come and hold the last two nights of his conference. Well, on the last night, I was preaching like I normally preach. Mm -hmm. We'd seen great miracles. We'd seen thousands come to Christ. But something happened that night that I will never forget. You know, I strongly believe that there are landmark moments that God ordained from the foundation of the world. You know, the Bible says that he called us from the foundation of the Mm -hmm. world, that we have a destiny, we have a purpose to fulfill. And when we submit to that will, There are landmark moments that God has already ordained. You can't even pray them in. God has written them in the calendar. Written them. You know, as David said, he said, are not my days fashioned for me written in your book. There's things that God has planned for us that when we follow Him, we will simply step into. And 2010, preaching for Pastor Kilpatrick was one of those moments. I had no idea what was about to happen. But as I was preaching, It felt like the Lord just wrapped me in a heavy rug. I can only describe it. When I looked around, the worship team were on the floor. People started wailing, kind of, that's the only way I can describe it. People groaning, people crying out to God, people getting out of their seats, falling on the floor, people on their knees. There was this sound that began to rise in the room. Before I knew it, I was laid on the floor. Just this thing was happening. I, it's not that I said the right thing. I can take no no praise for it. God just showed up. It was the Lord sovereignly, and then suddenly there was a man in the middle of the congregation. I didn't know that he was one of those husbands that the wife had dragged to church. Okay, <laughs> you, know, I, yeah, I, you know, I've you,
0: had a few of those in my congregation <laughs> the, over the you, years. You yeah. see
1: the odd husband that the wife says, "If you don't go to church, you know, those You're dinners aren't dinner
0: yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> He was there. And suddenly he stood to his feet and he began shouting, literally shouting out loud. And he was blind in his right eye. And in the middle of all this, God just opened his eye.
0: Nobody laid hands on him.
1: He wasn't churched. He didn't know what was going on. He He was was probably freaked out. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He wasn't shouting praise to God. He was shouting out like something's happened to my eye, you know. And it was at that moment, Pastor Kilpatrick stood to his feet and he said, this reminds me of back in Father's Day of 1995. could a long story short. He said to me, listen, son, you can either stay here or you're scheduled to leave in the morning. I was supposed to be in Hawaii with Pastor Morocco. I'd never preached for him before. He's not a guy that you want to cancel on. <laughs> yeah. But I felt the Holy Spirit say, which is worse, to get on the plane and wonder what I could have done i stay and see what I will do. It was that moment we changed all our plans. We canceled all the gospel campaigns. I said, Lord, I'm gonna serve my visitation. Yeah. And it was at that moment that we began going every night and miracles began to happen. Within a month to the, into the revival, people started coming from all over. We'd moved from the place that it began now into the auditorium in Mobile, the convention center And within a month, that is when the miracle of Delia Knox happened. Yeah. For those of you that don't know that miracle.
0: I've heard about it. I've I've watched it. It's incredible.
1: Yeah. Um, Tell us
0: about what what God did in that moment.
1: Well, this particular night, I got up there, and uh, I'm going to be honest. I I think we have enough time to really. We have all the time you want. You know, sometimes when you're preaching, you don't get to tell the real story. Mm -hmm. You only give highlights. That meeting was probably, I'm going to say it in the right way, the most dead meeting I'd been in up until I thought the revival was over. Yeah, Because there's something about the glory of God that nothing compares to it. Mm -hmm. A good service does not compare to the glory of God. When he comes like that, he raises the bar so high that no gifting, no entertainment, no lights, no smoke machines, nothing compares to him. So when that doesn't feel like it is as manifest as Usual you begin to panic because there's nothing you can do. The only thing I could do was preach, right? I got up there. I started to preach. My sermon was terrible I was looking at my notes and it was as if the page was blurred (laughs) Now I'm having a conversation with the Lord because by this time the TV cameras were there. We were live around the world Things like ABC were coming in nightline, you know, I was up there. I said God you got to help me. Yeah, And I'm saying, Lord, this meeting's over, this thing's over, I want to get out of here. My message is not even working, (laughs) you know? And just that small whisper, the Lord said, on your right hand side, I want you to call out a man, a baby with a kidney condition. Mm -hmm. I called out the baby and the parents bring out the child. This is in the middle of the service. There's no atmosphere, (laughs) there's no glory. But obedience, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: obedience will step you into the realm of God's glory. So you weren't feeling the flow. No. There was no goosebumps. Literally, at that stage, I was was so desperate. Uh, Lord, you tell me to stand on my head and clap my... I'll do anything you want me to do right now. And, you know, a preacher once said to me, he said, Listen, don't ever rely on atmosphere. Throw out the word of God. That's a good Preach. Yeah. So... I was preaching, but it was terrible. <laughs> so even that, I was saying, Lord, whatever, just get me through this service. And when I obeyed the Lord, I stepped towards the parents that brought the child. They were crying. The power of God fell on them. And at that moment, something changed. Mm-hmm. And suddenly, just this came out of my mouth. And I'm, gonna, I'm telling you how it is. There's a backstory to it. But I said, this man right here, come here. I didn't know he was a bishop. Mm -hmm. I didn't know he was well-known in the city of Mobile. I'd never seen him in my life. As he's coming towards me, I'm thinking, Lord, what do you want me to tell him? Yeah. He's coming towards me and this came out. I said, where's your wife? If I would've known who his wife were.
0: You wouldn't have done it.
1: (laughs) You said it right. This is in the middle of the service. I said, where's your wife? And suddenly they wheel a lady out, very well-dressed. A beautiful lady they wheel her out in this wheelchair and as soon as they did I felt the, it was like the Lord cut a power line in that building and that power line and I'm saying it exactly the way I can describe it it felt like that power line was just swinging through the building it was just raw electricity and I knew at that moment this was a suddenly of God what I didn't know is is the bishop and his wife they had held meetings for the past three years in that same building where Delia had led worship for the last three years in the wheelchair. In fact, ABC had done an interview with her asking her how she could lead worship from a wheelchair. How could she praise God? What I didn't know was this, this was so sovereign yet again, it was a landmark moment that she had led worship from that exact place that I was now standing. She had prepared the ground for her miracle. Oh my goodness. When she came out there, I put my hands on her legs. And as I did, I knew this was not my faith. This was the gift of faith. There wasn't a doubt in my mind whatever was wrong with her. And I didn't even know. Yeah. So I put my hands on her legs. I looked at her. And I said, in Jesus' name. She looked at me. She said, I can feel your hands on on my legs. I didn't know. I said, what is wrong with you? She said, I've been paralyzed for 23 years. And when you touched her she Make felt the next minute i said let faith arise in you and she just i mean she just comes out of that wheelchair the first time she comes up she she goes back into the chair yeah but there was people already were just i could see old pentecostal women with the hair buns mm-hmm. they were spinning around you remember you know well you, you know in the book of acts where it says absolutely they were in one place and one accord and suddenly It was like God united everybody in that place. It was so supernatural. Before I knew it, she just came out of that wheelchair. I just I watched with my eyes, but my mind was saying, is this now we'd seen great miracles, but there was something about this miracle. I knew God was speaking to America again. Yeah. he's still the god of miracles absolutely he was speaking to the western church don't just you know people used to tell me well god does miracles in the third world but this was happening in the united states of america right here for the world to see overnight that miracle went viral it went around the world i remember the bbc just in the daily mail of the united kingdom it was a double page spread i mean they don't report on miracles in the united kingdom it was a miracle that god used Mm -hmm. Around the world, that you know, I still praise God that you know, she walked in when she came back to the revival, she walked across that stage in high heel shoes.
0: Oh, my goodness,
1: it was the roof nearly came off. What I didn't know is that she would fly to uh, Dallas to do a TV show, she would have to have special assistance. When the air, when the aerostess who worked for the airline, when she saw Delia Knox walk in those wheel, in those high heel shoes and get on the plane she knelt down right there and gave her life to Christ. I actually met that hero on a flight. She came up to me and said, you're the evangelist that prayed for Delia. I said, yes. She said, I gave my heart to Christ. I know that was a true miracle. And that's something that the world, you can't argue with a miracle. No, you can't. A true miracle that stands today. And that's why we, we shouldn't make excuses for God. He is the miracle working God.
0: Wow, what a powerful story. Yeah so you now are all over the world you've been in latin america a lot recently i know doing crusades packed out stadiums god's using you tell me what you're seeing the holy spirit do right now
1: you know i've really felt in my heart you know i've never tried to push a door open you know but recently god through south america central america is just opening doors that given us such favor in nations where we're holding these large gospel campaigns but around the world There's a new wave of a generation that are rising up under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. You know, I thank God that we stand on the shoulders of those that have gone before. But there are many evangelists that now, you know, they're older. Mm -hmm. You know, I think of the greats, you know, Reinhard Bonnke, that, you know, it is natural that they grow older. And we must see the next generation rise up and go further than even our forefathers have gone. And that's what I'm seeing. I'm seeing a hunger in, in our generation for the real, for the genuine, but for the supernatural of God. They want to see authenticity. They don't want to see hype. But I think they're searching for integrity, but with anointing, integrity with power. And,
0: yeah.
1: and they know the fakes. They know when it's not real, when it's just more lights and more you know, entertainment. And in my heart, you know, I feel that if you raise a generation on adrenaline, that's what they want in, in, in their encounters with God. Mm-hmm. It's not adrenaline we want. We want the anointing. The anointing endures more than adrenaline. Amen. And when they encounter that, that's when we're going to see evangelists rise up like never before.
0: You know, I think we saw that you were at Oral Roberts University in the spring. Yeah. Uh, It was your second time there, and uh, it was a powerful, powerful move of God. You didn't even give an altar call. I don't know if you remember that about that day, but you preached. You came off the stage without giving an altar call, uh, and immediately young people began to line up and say, please pray for me. I want God to touch me. I want the anointing. Uh, And I remember we lined them up around the building, uh, and God used you in a powerful way. Yeah, just it was awesome.
1: And, and, and the thing is, you know, in my heart, we must not be afraid of the presence and the mm. power of God. Let's stop trying to package it up with a nice ribbon and don't offend anyone. Look, the power of God, it's raw, it's real, it is what it is. And I love it. I love the presence of God, I love the anointing of the Holy Spirit. I'm not ashamed of the Holy Spirit. I thank God for those that have run without shame and, and being you know, pioneers of what we take today. You know, I remember a generation used to argue about whether we should speak in tongues or not. That's not the argument of this generation anymore. We're fighting other battles that we need to rise up and not forget. You know, there was a generation in the children of Israel that they forgot the language They forgot the language they'd been they'd come out of slavery and they still had a slavery mentality. And yet they came the Joshua generation that were ready to take territory. They were ready to step in. They were ready to fight the battles. And I see this generation right now. They are rising up. They're ready to take their place. And what we're seeing in this generation are some serious, serious fights, fights for morality, fights for culture. In every area, we must be men and women that are spirit-filled, not ashamed to stand and preach the uncompromising gospel, because that's where the power's at. That's what will change the tide. That's what will change a generation.
0: Amen. Well, I want to take a minute. Um, again, we have listeners all over the world, yeah. uh, young leaders listening to us today. Um, I want to take a minute and give you opportunity to pray uh, for the people that are listening to this podcast, um, Just pray however the Holy Spirit leads you. Can you do
1: that? Of course. You know, I just want to speak before we pray to those that are listening to this today. And you know, there's a hunger in your heart and there's a hunger deep down within you. It's not accidental that you're watching this. I believe the Lord is calling you. And you know, sometimes one of the great encounters that God will give us is that he exposes us to something that sometimes we feel like, what is this? And yet that exposure causes the hunger. And I want to say to those that are watching this today, don't be afraid to ask God to say, Lord, I want all that you have for my life. There's more available to you. So I'm going to pray for those that are hungry. I want to pray for those that maybe you're struggling today. You feel tired. I believe God's about to release a fresh anointing in your life. Father, I give you praise today. I thank you, Lord, that you have chosen us for such a time as this. The Lord, we are not accidents, we have been selected, we have been chosen, we have been anointed. Lord, to proclaim your praises to this generation so I speak to those today that are listening to this podcast the Lord you would send a fresh fire in our hearts those that are watching this today that Lord they might cry out to you right now the Lord in the next season of their life it will be a season of encounters that will birth multitudes within them the Lord will birth the harvest out of their ministries Lord I pray for those that may be tired, that are weary the Lord you would renew them this moment you would renew their spirits renew their their faith. Lord, even where they're at right now, I release the anointing of the Holy Spirit. I release that fire. I release, Lord, a fresh anointing upon their ministries. Lord, we pray for ministries to rise up with Lord with signs, wonders, and miracles. That Lord, you would cause the gift of faith to be released upon these ministries. That Lord, you would raise up harvesters for this generation. That Lord, they will stand and proclaim without shame the gospel of Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray for miracles right now. I pray for someone that has listened to. Me right now that you have a a heart defect, you have a heart arrhythmia. There's a pastor listening to this right now, you have a heart arrhythmia that you feel like you need to retire. I speak in Jesus' name that you are not to retire. God is healing you right now in Jesus' name. God is healing that heart. There's a pastor watching me right now that you thought about retiring even in the last few days, but I speak in Jesus' name. Your health, your strength shall be renewed right now. I give you praise for it.
0: Amen. Amen. Wow, powerful. I feel the anointing right now, the heat. I feel the heat right now. So, Nathan, thank you for being with us today. Uh, We're so honored to have you and so excited about what God's doing in your life and ministry. Uh, Thank you for listening today to the Empowered 21 Leadership Podcast. Uh, Be sure to check us out on the web at empowered21.com. And of course, follow us on social media, on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, at Empowered21.